range here. Oh, no, I'll put Asher on the left. It doesn't really matter. All right, here we go. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Along with co-host Asher Lowe, we're joined by Jacob Rood of Locked On Hoosiers to break down the Indiana Hoosiers on today's show. One of the more interesting teams in all of the Big Ten as far as what we'll expect this season. The team that's hoping it can end up near, if not on top, of the Big Ten Conference come January. We'll get to all that in a moment here with Jacob. But Asher, we'll start with you as we start off the show today with the biggest news of the day. It's a big, big, big conference maybe coming together. We don't know what exactly it is at the conference right now, officially just an alliance. But as we know it, the Big Ten ACC and Pac-12 are all now in talks. They're talking, but we don't know exactly what all of it means yet. We did find out that this is officially happening, though, today. What all do you take away from whatever this is, at least so far? Well, obviously, this is a an SEC you can't take us over type of move. It's a uh, it just means more if we actually combine all three. Uh, it's a it's a it's an SEC move, right? And it's what the SEC has been building towards for the last few months in terms of uh, teams moving around the Big Twelve, the SEC. Uh, talking about moving here, moving there, whatever it is. But it, it's a we're a little bit scared of the takeover potentially, and we're going to come together because three is better than one. Uh, three is better than two. This is three power conferences coming together and saying that together we have a ton of power individually, maybe against the SEC or in, against the Big 12 in these talks and these debates with whatever it may be, TV rights, uh, teams coming and leaving. We don't have as much power. So uh, I think it's – a very logical move for the Big Ten to make. I'm a Pac-12 guy, so it warms my heart to know that we could be getting more Big 12 or sorry, Big Ten Pac-12 matchups in the near future in all sports. And it also will affect scheduling a ton. Based on what I read in the general press release today, these institutions are planning to schedule each other a ton in the non-conference and even host more Big Ten ACC challenge type things, but among all three conferences every single year in all the major sports in the non-conference. Yeah, it's a power move, no doubt. I forgot to mention, we're all the way across the country here today on the show. Asher's over on the Pacific time zone. I'm here in Central. Jacob's in the Eastern time zone. So it's kind of all throughout our Tuesday afternoon when we're recording that we're talking. But I bring it up because we got the Pac-12 perspective on things here with Asher. As we bring Jacob in now, and thanks again for joining us on the program, Jacob. What are your initial reactions to how this all works and from a Big Ten standpoint, how are you taking it all in? Yeah, I mean, Asher nailed it in that this was basically just a counter move to the SEC adding Oklahoma and Texas and them growing a little maybe worried about what type of power the SEC would have. And I think this was the counter move to stop them and to make sure that um, they have their say or their way, I guess, in in like college football expansion. I know that was a big talking point. Um, and all the voting that will go on with these Power Five conferences, 
it it's going to be really interesting. Um, certainly got some more details. I, I obviously one of the more interesting aspects is the scheduling. I still don't entirely understand how that's going to work because you have football contracts scheduled out until the 2030s. So it's definitely going to have to be like a long play with some of the scheduling stuff. But um, I think it's it's certainly an interesting move. It, it seems like something that was inevitably going to happen. I don't know if it'll eventually morph into kind of one big conference, as Asher said. It, I mean, it feels like anything's possible at this point, but um, it's it's very interesting. But more than anything, I, I just see it as kind of a counterpunch to the SEC right now. Asher Jacob brought up that this seemed kind of inevitable. If there was one conference that didn't have to do this, it was the Big Ten. The Big Ten makes its money. Did you feel like this was inevitable? Was this something that we had to do as a conference here? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was because, yeah, the Big Ten makes money. The SEC makes more money. So even though the Big Ten might be a different Not true, level, actually, but yeah. Football revenue, that's, I mean, like, in with football, Texas, yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. It, but if you add it, but like, okay, you take the SEC, no football program has more money in the world than Texas. And mm, the right. SEC plus Texas and Oklahoma, you don't think makes more money than the Big Ten like down the road? If it's just the Big Ten versus an SEC plus a Texas, Oklahoma in the SEC? I, right, I yeah, I'm going. I'm going off just. To, I'm going off just the uh, last year revenues. Big Ten made more, but no, yeah, I think you're right. SEC wins that battle for sure uh, going mm-hmm. down the road. So I think I think the Big Ten had to do it in a lot of ways, and I think the Pac-12 probably benefits most from it because they are the weakest link here. At least if football is the money maker, I'm a basketball guy, so it pains me to say it, but football is the money maker in college sports, and the Pac-12 is definitely the weakest of the three in terms of football positioning right now. I think Clemson just alone takes out the Pac-12. And yeah, I think I think they had to do it. I'm not surprised they did it. And I would be interested to see if there's like a, because Jacob, it's a good point that all these non-conference games are pretty much scheduled. The home and homes are scheduled far in advance. I could see like a flex type of week where in, you take away one conference game from every school and there's some sort of challenge every year where teams from interconferences play each other. I could see something like that. Uh, I've always wanted a Big Ten SEC challenge. This won't be that. But it could be like a Big Ten ACC challenge, Big Ten Pac-12 challenge for a week where uh, every team plays every other team. Uh, so that could be a lot of fun in terms of a flex conference schedule week. Where do you feel like, and I guess this is an open question for either of you, the end goal is for these conferences. Is it one big giant super conference? Is it just to be able to have some sort of alliance to be able to stand up to the SEC? And people are hoping that, just outside of this, things can kind of go along as they normally were with that threat there. What's going on here with like what people are actually hoping for way, way down the road as we start to speculate? I mean, I see the future is probably just one big conference. Um, I It's hard to say. I, I basically feel like it, this is a these three conferences versus the SEC just type of move in general. I don't imagine there's going to be any kind of treaty or joint or any kind of joining with the SEC anytime soon. So um, this feels like a, a power move to keep the SEC at bay. Um, with regards to what it eventually becomes, that'll be interesting to, to I guess, see. I think it's going to be pretty far down the road before anything um, really happens because – there's just so many details that are going to have to be worked out here in the future. But to me, more than anything, it's just them wanting to make sure they have the power 
and that they have the ability to vote on what they want when all this comes up with the NCAA, because now you have, I think it's 41 schools and three conferences. Um, you have all the voting power in all this now. So I think more than anything, that's what this is, is just the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 are really going to kind of run things now after, for a large portion of the last, I don't know, decade or so, it's felt like the SEC's kind of gotten their way. I think this will be a shift in that regard. Asher, biggest question, did this work? Is the SEC properly spooked now? Well, we won't know for a little while, but I, I do think it will, The or at least the foundation of it does work. It makes a lot of sense because in a year that has had more changes for college sports than ever, at least ever that I can remember, with NIL changes, with COVID, with testing and with games canceled, whatever it may be for each school. And then, of course, the big one, like I said, is NIL. That's the huge long-term change. I think that, and of course, teams moving around here, there, whatever, this offseason, I think that this just sets you up at a better place at the bargaining table when more things are taking place and it, it brings them together in a way that allows all three to be stronger. And like I said, um, I don't think it's only the PAC 12 benefiting from this. I think the big 10 benefits from this ACC benefits, like everybody, the weakest to the strongest link here, football wise, all three benefit. It doesn't really matter uh, who's has what standing coming in. I think all three benefit from just a little bit of an additional uh, boost there. And I'm curious to see where we go in terms of uh, if this does become a super conference eventually, if, and I, I w- I've always thought that I'd love to see the SEC join the big 12. I'd love to see a super conference of college football. I'd love to see no conferences at all in the power five. That's something I've always wanted, uh, especially if the playoff expands. I'd love uh, no, no conferences at all. And you schedule based on what you want to schedule and everyone kind of has a scheduling alliance in the power five. And uh, yeah, you have a couple of buy games, but I'd love like a 16 team playoff and a 64 team super conference. I think that'd be awesome for the sport, but we'll see where this goes in terms of scheduling and a group conference. Well, there's a million different ideas as to how all that could work out. We could spend our own separate show getting into all of that stuff. But meanwhile, we've got to get into the Indiana Hoosiers today. The Big Ten making a power move. Indiana trying to shift the power in the Big Ten East. We'll break it all down with Jacob Rood here in just a moment with one of the most interesting teams in this conference going into 2021, the Indiana Hoosiers. I'm Nate Dickinson. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs. The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. Whatever your need may be, as far as sports betting goes, BetOnline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to BetOnline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with, too. If you go to BetOnline.ag right now and use our promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in. Just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day. 
Alongside our Wednesday co-host, Asher Lowe, we're here with Jacob Rood of Locked On Hoosiers to break down this Indiana football team. As we mentioned, one of the most interesting in the conference going into 2021. Guys, let's start off with the coach, Tom Allen. He's a guy who people like to talk about. There's a whole bunch of those personalities in the Big Ten, but nobody's doing it much better than what Tom Allen is doing with the culture out in Bloomington. You guys both said this is someone you like talking about. Asher, you're not our Indiana guy. Why do you like Tom Allen so much? Man, I like Tom Allen because his players love Tom Allen. That's why That's why I love Tom Allen, because every time you see Indiana succeed, whether it be a post-game presser last year or literally right after the game on ESPN where they're doing one of those uh, inter- sideline interviews with Tom Allen after a win, players come up to him and treat him like he's you know the greatest thing since sliced bread. They, they start jumping all over him. Like He's a player's coach, but he also commands respect, and that's, that's what I love about him. He's not – a player's coach in terms of like goofy and kind of lets everything slide and it's just fun. He's yes, he's, he's fun. He's entertaining. He's energetic, but he also has uh, an aura about him where you feel like his players respect him, but also love him. And that's where, that's where I love Tom Allen. And also you look at the numbers. I mean, he's improved every single year uh, that he's been in Indiana. So uh, after 2017, 18 kind of starting where Indiana was, a two and seven team in conference uh, they've won and they've won more and they didn't win more than in 2020. I think this could be a really good year as well. His players love him. Players love everyone. That's part of the culture that they're trying to instill there down in Bloomington. Jacob, Tom does some of those things that if it wasn't the right guy, they're leading the way it would seem kind of cheesy. That love everyone slogan doesn't fit in everywhere. I'm sure a whole lot of people would think I'm playing football. I'm not here to love everyone. But why does this roster buy in so much with him? I think it's because he's just so genuine. It's just not, it's not necessarily an act really. It's, this is who he is. Um, whether it's in a practice in a, in a media zoom presser or on the field, he's always this same type of guy. He, he did an interview the other day where he called himself naturally caffeinated, which might be the best way to describe him. He's just, he's just a genuine person and you're right you need a, a lot of you need buy-in from the players to be able to develop this culture and it's a culture that has reaped or has had success he's reaping the rewards of it now um yeah this is certainly a team and a program that i mean when we're talking about when the last time they've had this level of success was it was in the 60s so i mean it's he's completely changed this program and it's all started with kind of that LEO slogan and, and getting everyone to buy in. All right. We're 15 minutes of recording content into this episode. And we have yet to talk about an Indiana Hoosiers football player on this <laughs> Indiana fo- Hoosiers football preview. So let's get into it. The man, of course, everyone's discussing is Michael Penix jr. He's got weapons around him. Jacob, this guy is make or break for the Hoosiers this season. As far as the top of the mountain, is he ready for this? We've talked so much about this before. Asher, I want to hear your thoughts about Michael Penix Jr. I've been a consistent not sold on Penix Jr. guy. think he's really good, just not sold yet on him being great, great. I'm interested to hear where everyone's at, but we'll start with Jacob. Yeah, I mean, physically, it sounds like he's going to be ready. He obviously had a season. He's had every season ended short because of injury. Um, but physically, it sounds like he's going to be ready for the opener or at Iowa Um, yeah, this is, I I can understand it being a make or break year because like I said, he's had three years and they've all ended early to injury. So just that alone 
Um, just being healthy for 12, 13 games um, is going to be one thing. But, yeah, he showed a lot of flashes. And really for the entirety of last season, he w- it was a strong season. But it was only six games ultimately. So uh, he this this Indiana team, if they're going to meet the expectations that people have and that fans have for them, Penix is going to have to be out there. Um, he it's it's also kind of the the new part about being an IU fan in 2021. He's had a lot of accolades. He's on a lot of watch lists. He he was at the Peyton Manning passing camps or passing academy this summer, like. Um, he, he is kind of the face of this, this revival of the program right now alongside Tom Allen. So, um, and he's as exciting of a quarterback as we've had since Anton Randall L maybe, um, he just, every play feels like it could be an explosive play and, um, he, everybody, he is by far the most exciting player I've seen in a decade of watching IU football. Asher, you have any reservations on what Penix Jr. is going to be able to do out there this season? Well, I think my biggest one, and I, I came on the show last year, and Ben and I started the uh, Big Ten Ben and I started the Michael Penix Jr. for Heisman campaign before the season, <laughs> before the season began, and that was looking really good. Uh, not not really, but you know, it was looking really good come like November seventh after that Michigan yeah. game. But uh, no, he was really really good last year. My biggest question would be obviously. ACL injuries are no joke, man. Mm-hmm. Like, ACL injuries are no joke. And you can be healthy. I think this is the thing. And I noticed this in basketball a lot because I'm a basketball guy. And I think it's very similar to a guy that's a mobile quarterback in this way, where an ACL injury, you can be healthy 100%, whatever. But even if you're 100%, you may not trust that you're 100%. And you mm-hmm. may not actually go to full lengths to make certain cuts uh, to move the way he was moving because he's afraid of injury again. And that's where... I want to see that not only is he 100% in terms of the knee, but is he 100% mentally in terms of the knee? Because that stuff really matters when you're coming off of an injury. But I don't have any major reservations about his game, to be honest, because I think he is good enough. He showed us last year that I shouldn't have any major reservations about his game. Uh, He was the best quarterback in the Big Ten, not named Justin Fields, up until uh, November 28th when he went down uh, with with that injury against Maryland. But... Yeah, I think I think he proved a lot last year. He took care of the football really well last year compared to other years. Had back-to-back weeks of three ter- three touchdown passes, no interceptions against Rutgers in Michigan. Yeah, and, and he has weapons around him, like Jacob was talking about. Yeah, let's talk about some of those weapons, Jacob. We all know Tyler Freifogel, one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. Outside of him, because we know about his talents, we know about how good he's going to be this year, quite frankly. We don't have to question any of that. Who else does Penix Jr. have to go to to make plays? Well, yeah, if we're talking wide receivers, they have a pretty big hole to fill with Wap Fillier um, going on in the NFL. Miles Marshall will probably be the next guy in line um, in terms of outside of Fry Fogel, obviously. He played a bunch last season. Uh, IU typically starts three receivers, and he was the third guy. Um, he's probably going to move to some of that second guy. Honestly, one of the names that will uh, step up is going to be DJ Matthews, a transfer from Florida State. He's also probably going to be starting. He, he'll probably actually start. Wap Fillier was a slot receiver. He'll probably start there. Um, he's going to – everything we've heard in the in the in during fall camp, he's going to be a, a, a big focal point of this offense. 
Peyton Hendershot's back. He's one of the top tight ends in the conference, one of the top tight ends probably in the nation this season. Um, he had a little bit of a down year last year, still had four touchdowns, but uh, the season before that, he was a, a really big piece of Indiana's passing game. And then um, in the backfield, he, another transfer. IU landed a, a lot of transfers this uh this offseason it's been real interesting to see how tom allen has kind of approached the transfer market but um the stephen carr from usc a former five-star running back he's going to come in and he won the starting job um during the fall camp during the the preseason so to speak and he's going to come in and tom allen's talked about him having a really impressive fall camp so they have weapons around him it's going to be i think some of that feeling out early in the season with some of these transfers, but there certainly are weapons around uh, Penix this season. I want to ask Asher for a little bit of an outsider's perspective as we switch over to the defense here. Asher, we knew that Indiana's defense had returning players, had really good talent. I did not know that it had the kind of national recognition to get AP All-American spots out of Micah McFadden and, and Tiwan Mullen. And I, I need to get the official pronunciation from Jacob there. Taiwan, Tia one Mullen. We'll Taiwan. Get this Taiwan, okay, good. Yep. Good. All right. That's that's the kind of stuff that we should look up before. <laughs> I should look up before. But that's why I have you guys here. Taiwan Mullen and Micah McFadden making the second team All-American team. Asher, did you think this Indiana defense had that much respect across the nation? I knew it was getting it in the Big Ten, but I didn't know people knew already. Oh, yeah. I think it definitely did. Uh, Micah McFadden is probably the best returning defensive player in the conference. I think Wisconsin has the best combination, arguably of linebackers, but I think Indiana has the best linebacker in Micah McFadden, who, yeah, last year was everywhere and everything for this defense. I think uh, a stat that jumps out to me is you take the 13-game season he played in, right? And you take the eight-game season he played in, he had more more solo tackles in the eight-game season total than he did in the 13-game season. So uh, he was awesome, and he played in 13 games, by the way. Uh, he played in 13 games in that year, in that 2019 year. So he was everywhere last year for this defense, had a couple picks, um, uh, but is a guy that's a tackling machine, is a guy that is not going to get fooled by much, a uh, versatile linebacker, and uh, kind of the, the same type of, of guy where Wisconsin always relies on their linebackers for production and for um, uh, whether it be in pass pro, whether it be uh, as a run stopper, Wisconsin kind of makes their linebackers do a lot. And I think Micah McFadden can also be that kind of versatile guy where he can do a lot of different things for you. He's not great at one thing necessarily. He's sideline to sideline. Like he, he can be anywhere and do a little bit of anything for this Indiana defense. And I think he will uh, come 2021. Jacob, I want to ask about how you feel about things in the trenches right now for these Hoosiers, I guess on both sides of the ball, but defensively, especially I'm looking at it thinking, yeah, linebackers are great. The defensive backs are really, really good, but everything starts down there in the muck. And as far as the teams Indiana is going to have to beat, Iowa, Ohio State, some of the best talent in the country on offensive line is there. Is Indiana going to be able to stack up so that the linebackers, corners, and safeties can do their thing that they do so well? Uh, it's certainly going to be wait and see if there's a weak spot necessarily to this IU defense, uh, at least maybe last season was that defensive line. Um, Jerome Johnson graduated. He was the probably best of the defensive line. He had four sacks. I, I mean, it was actually Micah McFadden that led the team in sacks to kind of build on Asher's point. This defense is so 
guess maybe fluid might be the right word, the way they line up and the way that they um, – the the defensive linemen may drop back. The You see even Taiwan Mullen, he'll blitz a lot. Like linebackers are coming in places, so they move around a lot. So it's the defensive line doesn't always lead the team in sacks, but they were down a bit last year. And then they lost, as I said, Jerome Johnson, one of their better – um, lineman from last year again interestingly uh, Tom Allen replaced a lot of that with transfers Ryder Anderson came in from Ole Miss Jaron Handy he talked about the other day having a really strong fall camp he came in from Auburn they're gonna have um, some guys who are going to return James Head Jr. who played well last season like there's a handful of guys that will return with some experience, but I think those two names we've heard a lot about during fall camp are going to be two of the um, bigger pieces for that defensive line. It's going to be interesting to see because yeah, the, the top two leaders in uh, or two of the top three leaders in sacks last year were McFadden and Taiwan Mullen. So it wasn't a um, defensive line that got to the quarterback a lot, despite IU being one of the better team. I think they, we're toward the top in the Big Ten in sacks. It wasn't necessarily the offensive line or, excuse me, defensive line that was doing it. So it'd be interesting to see how they improve this year and um, whether they're able to kind of create more pressure. Havoc was the word that they used a lot. If they can create more havoc up front. A little bit short on time here. N- nothing personal to the Hoosiers. If 40 Power <laughs> 5 teams decide to make an alliance, tom- or alliance tomorrow, we're going to have that team get a little bit shafted with time too. But uh, Jacob, it's a team that everyone wants to know a whole bunch about because of the hype that just hasn't been there in previous seasons, both in the Big Ten and across the nation. I just want to make sure before we let you go here on Locked On Big Ten, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that we're missing, stuff we need to touch on, just stuff that you've been thinking about going into this first week of the season with Indiana? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just – it's a time unlike any IU fan my generation and honestly the generation before that have experienced. You have to go back to the late 60s when IU made the Rose Bowl to get a a season where they come in with this level of expectation. So we're just as excited as anybody for this season. Um, It's a a whole new feeling to be paying attention to preseason All-American teams and things like that. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. And uh, we're all fully bought into Tom Allen and the LEO uh, experience, basically. That's Jacob Rude at Jacob Rude on Twitter, the host of at Locked On Hoosiers, the Indiana podcast here on the Locked On Network every single weekday. Everything you need to know about all of Indiana sports. Asher Lowe is the host of Locked On Badgers over our Wisconsin site. Asher, where else can people find you? Uh, BadgersWire.com, covering all this Big Ten Alliance stuff and uh, Wisconsin football, of course, as we get ready for Wisconsin and Penn State, one of the best. I'd say we have probably the two best week one games on this podcast right now, Wisconsin, Penn State, Indiana, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota, Ohio State will be too much of a laugher. But, uh, yeah, I, I like I, – I can't wait for that Indiana-Iowa game, man. That's going to be that, – that is such a massive, massive way to start for both of those teams. Yeah, both those teams obviously have the high expectations, and it would be a real devastating blow to both to start off 0-1. Jacob, we mentioned your Twitter and the show. Anywhere else people can get to what you're up to? 
yeah locked on hoosiers as you said it's it's growing we just started it a couple weeks ago we're on twitter instagram is just locked on hoosiers and uh should be an exciting season it will show him some love jacob's going to be able to give you everything you need to know throughout what will hopefully be a successful season for the hoosiers asher's on here every wednesday on locked on big 10 and of course over at locked on badgers every weekday and i'm as always with you here every weekday on the show until tomorrow, we're back with Isaiah Hole on a Thursday. I'm Nate Dickinson with Locked On Big Ten. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten, here to tell you a little bit more about Built Bar, helping you get the show here today. Built Bar is the place to go for all of your protein needs. They have more than 15 grams of protein per bar with less than 5 net grams of carbs and 5 grams of sugars as well. It's all the healthy stuff you want without any of that unwanted filler, but great flavor too. Built Bar has 100% chocolate in every single bar, and these things taste outstanding. People are loving the new grasshopper flavor. It's supposed to be a little bit of a play on the mint brownie Girl Scout cookies that people like so much. So you can go and try that or any other flavor out right now at BuiltBar.com and save some money by using our promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So you know these guys are legit. That's Built Bar helping you get the show here today. And we thank you, Built Bar.